Oh, hi. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why. So much. Here are the nominees for the best actress in the supporting role. Tony Collette in The Sixth Sense. Angelina Jolie in Girl Interrupted. Catherine Keener in Being John Mankovich. Samantha Morton in Sweet and Low Down. Chloe Sevigny in Boys Don't Cry. And the Oscar goes to Angelina Jolie. Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. Today we will be discussing the 2000 Oscars ceremony, Best Supporting Actress winner, Angelina Jolie, where she got really gross with her brother, but I'm assuming she's from the South, so it's probably fine. I mean, she dated a guy (laughs) named Billy Bob. Yum, 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 yum. (laughs) Today we are joined by the hilarious, and I think actually the only straight white male comedian I've ever had on this show, so you're going to be canceled by the end of the episode. Thank you. Uh, Mr. (laughs) Ryan Dillon. Ryan has been to Just for Laughs. Uh, He's been on the Kevin Hart LOL Network, and uh, he's one of my very... Best friends. I love this man. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, oof, I'm like dating an Irish person. My one of my best friends is a newfie. It's uh, this is not good. I'm literally drinking wine as I'm saying this. It's it's not good. There's a theme and motif between our your friendships uh, with, with with men. Uh, and it's just, it's just <laughs> mild alcoholism at its finest. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Mi- mild is very generous. Yeah, Thank mild, you. <laughs> mild. So I say mild so I don't get canceled by my fellow Newfoundlanders out east. Fair enough. <laughs> um, so if anybody is listening to this and wondering, wow, the audio sounds a lot better. It's because uh, we are in the same space recording this, which is the first episode that that's ever happened because every episode I have been physically sitting in my closet on the floor uh, and using the, because I've had to, you know, with Zencaster and thank you for your wonderful service and uh, <laughs> Skyping people and all that stuff, you know, and this is the first time that I've ever been able to do like face to face. So I'm really... I'm really excited that my podcast will finally sound like what it's supposed to sound like nine episodes ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's always fun when you listen to like a new podcast and you just hear that quality jump like eight episodes in. Like yeah. they're like, this is pretty fun. Yeah. And people are listening. We should probably do it. Yeah. Like, well, it's frustrating because when I started this podcast and I had all the equipment and the premise and the artwork and everything ready to go, uh, that's when the lockdown happened. Yeah. 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 So I uh, was kind of a little, I was a little frustrated by that. Yeah. I think yeah, so many people I know had projects ready to go mm-hmm. uh, and were just and like, like, you know, like, I mean, you look at like Tall Boys and Men season two was supposed to be filming now and like for CBC, oh, like a whole right. bunch of things. Yeah. Like, it's just crazy. So uh, I'm really stoked that we got to do this. So uh, how have you been handling this lockdown? Uh, uh, I've been, you know, just p- picking a different wall to stare at every day. Like it's been <laughs> just a lot of like listening to my own internal monologue, just screaming it louder every day. I mean, it's been it's been tough. It's been tough for everybody. It's been crazy. Like, uh you know, like I had some plans of things to do with my career that were uh, going. <laughs> yeah, didn't we all? Didn't yeah. we all? Uh, yeah. But like, there was just you know, I, I had a I had a fest. A Winnipeg festival was supposed. To, I was supposed to have done that taping by now, and like, mm-hmm. and you know, my manager and I had some cool ideas of some East Coast shows we were gonna do and start building up a tour and stuff. But that's all just kind of put a pin in it. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just been a lot of. Um, a lot of getting really good at video games. Yeah. <laughs> just too many video games. Like, Fair. And I'll wake up and go, I should stop playing video games. And then I'll just change which video game I play thinking yeah. that did anything. So it's just been a lot of... <laughs> the past few weeks have been better. I've been writing and like and putting more like actual effort into trying to not... Because it just if you just do nothing, yeah. you're going to feel shitty at the end of the day because you didn't do anything. Yes. So even if you just make the effort, even though you know it's like you don't know when your next show is... You don't know, like, as long as you say to yourself, here's a project I'm going to give myself this week. Yeah. And that helps. So I took, like, a TV writing course and, like, online and, like, well, all that stuff. part of doing this podcast for me was to just have anything else that yeah. wasn't comedy. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't stand-up. That wasn't anything. Just because I find doing stand-up is, uh, like, mentally and emotionally draining. It's mm-hmm. fulfilling, but mm-hmm. it's also draining. But then when you're not doing comedy... 
it's even more draining. It's a severe lacking. It's, it's an a, abusive relationship. It's an abusive relationship, and it's also a severe lack of a sense of focus or, yeah. or a sense of um, a sense of um, um, not focus. Oh my god, I said this to the of um, drive, drive uh, of goals, direction. direction. Yeah. yeah, a sense of direction and goals, and just like mm-hmm. uh, a sense of. Uh, of um, oh my god, there was a perfect word for it. Used anyway. Yes, like just like <laughs> sense of purpose. Sense of purpose. Thank you. Fuck me. Uh, I'll get you a thesaurus really soon. Uh, thank I you. I, uh, yeah, yeah. No I, every time I do a podcast, I learn <laughs> stuff I should have known for a long yeah, time. Sure. Uh, but no, it's it's the lack of sense of purpose. Like yeah. I think a lot of comedians and actors are just and performers and musicians and anybody in the arts is just like, what am I doing? And you know, not all <laughs> of us are are you know uh, can create sketch videos. Like that's not our yeah. skill set. But yeah. now we got to adapt and learn. I mean, you're creating a podcast, and I'm. Like, you know, like everyone's got to figure out new skills because it's like, it's going to be a while till live shows are back. I feel like we're all the fish at the end of Finding Nemo, spoiler alert, where they're all just in the bags in oh, the yeah. water and yeah, they're yeah. just like, now what? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, okay, we got out, but now, now what, what do we do? Yeah. Like, we're still in the same yeah. bubble. So, But it does make me feel better knowing that like everyone else is also suffering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, yeah. It, it, nothing that makes you feel better than united with your fellow artists in pain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm just kind of like, well, whatever. I feel like, you know, because I'm always very self-conscious about like how much I drink. Yeah. And then I'm like, but to a comedian standard yeah. like it's not that bad it's not that bad <laughs> but, I, but I think you made a point about how like you know I definitely felt like I'm not doing enough like we all have that thought but during quarantine it's like well now I'm really not doing anything mm-hmm. and then it's like like fuck am I is my career falling back am I not in this like am I falling behind but it's like everyone is mm-hmm. in this position everyone so so for anybody uh, listening uh, so uh, the previous guest whenever we had the Ingrid Bourbon episode uh, that was uh, 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 Dan Dillabo, who yeah. is Ryan, one of Ryan's best friends. Yeah, Dan's my best pal. And uh, so, yeah, we're just, we're very incestuous on this podcast, apparently. <laughs> we like yeah. to have the same guests over and over again. Um, Dan knows a lot about movies. Dan is, I mean, Dan's a TV writer. Uh, he's from Newfoundland. I've known him for years. He's Dan's from my, Newfoundland? Yeah, he's one of my best friends. I knew him for, we did improv games back together in like, I taught him improv in like university. He was like, oh. cause he's a couple years younger than me. Now we, now like now, and now since then we've become like really good pals, but he's just very driven and very passionate about movies and film and TV and, and in comedy. And like, that's his life. Like he just knows about, he sees so many movies, man. Like I've been, he's been living with me for a few years mm. and that guy has introduced me to like, uh, I've like expanded my palette in terms of like, not just watching like comedies and like, you know, or like, you know, I love watching a bad action movie from the time to time, but just like movies from the 40s, 50s, 60s that are classics mm-hmm. I never thought about. And like when you, yeah. when I heard you were doing this podcast, I was like, Dan needs to be on your podcast. Yeah. Like Dan was exactly who he needs to have. Well, it's interesting school. because whenever I, um, I know I always say this like on this, on this podcast, like for me, a big part of the reason why I don't consider myself to be like a film buff or like mm. a film nerd in any capacity. I just really like to watch movies I'm a huge, and I like to just kind of talk about them. Yeah. I, I'm a, you know, I'm a big film nerd for box office numbers. I don't know sure. why, but like, that's a I, thing. Yeah. I had a cousin years ago who's in film and like, he's doing really well. And he was like, I remember in junior high, he told me how much this movie made in the box office. And I was like, what? I was like, where mm-hmm. did you get this information? And it was like a website. And like, man, like I love knowing about like the trivia behind movies and how much they made and mm-hmm. like the drama behind them. Like I love all that stuff. Like I love mm-hmm. knowing the behind the scenes on stuff and knowing how I'll grab up. I think the only box office number that I know is whatever happened to baby Jane in 1962 made $9 million. There you go. And it uh, exceeded everyone's expectations. It was the only box office I remember we were, they were number like, that I know. I remember we were like, they were at uh, war of the, there was like a trivia at some trivia night and they were like, well, how did much did, War of the Worlds make in North America, the Steven Spielberg remake. Mm. And I was like 214 million. And my girlfriend and my friends were like, you need other friends. Yeah. <laughs> you, need, you need other hobbies. And you should not know that so fast. So Do you quick. know, I hate that. I hate when people shame people for knowing things. But you know what that is? That's like, that's like an insecure people it is, thing. It is, it is. And they're like, oh, you're just full of useless yeah, yeah. information. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, more than you. And I was like, you went to the trivia night too, you jackass. <laughs> know, yeah. Like, what are you talking about? We're Sword all losers. here. Oh my God. Um, okay. So let's just go ahead and yeah, jump do right it. into these. I um, love doing these movies because I haven't seen any of them. I thought I saw The Sixth Sense. Mm-hmm. Like I thought I did because mm-hmm. I just, it's one of those movies that's in the zeitgeist. Like, like you know, I see dead people. Like I just mm-hmm. feel like I know every scene. And when we started watching it together, I remember like, well, I, yeah, I did see this before. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, no, no, I didn't see this. But you like, knew the ending. Well, we all know the ending. Do we? <laughs> I mean, I guess. Like I knew, I knew. 
I knew like that he was dead at the end and like I knew that like I just knew that from just wow spoiler for wow, spo- spoiler <laughs> spoiler uh it was uh yeah so like okay let's talk about that one then let's 20 year olds but yeah let's just talk okay so first of all okay so this is Tony Collette's first and only Academy Award nomination which is a crime because she is probably one of the best actresses working right now and um, if you guys have ever seen the YouTube channel called Be Kind Rewind, um, they do a very lovely thing about Tony Collette that I absolutely loved and agreed with every word. Um, she's like a master of accents. I mean, she's Australian, which I always forget. And um, I actually kind of forgot that she was in this movie. And then when I watched it, because um, the first time that I saw The Sixth Sense, I was really young. Mm. And I just didn't really have an appreciation for it. But yeah. watching it... Um, you know, after I watched it with, with you, uh, I had this sudden like appreciation for M night Shyamalan yeah. and I like watched all of his movies. Yeah. Uh, by the way, saw glass, not bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like okay. really boring at first. It's like yeah. one long therapy session, but yeah. like not bad. Yeah. I like, I mean, I loved, uh, I mean, I introduced you to unbreakable mm-hmm. and, uh, I, you know, I, that's still one of my favorite movies, but when I was watching, yeah, it, I didn't care you, for it. It didn't age as well as I thought it did. Mm-hmm. I think it's because it was so different for its time mm-hmm. but now since then with like every other type of movie that's come out and then especially in the superhero genre like it just I don't know like it's such a slow and especially when you look at Split and Glass mm-hmm. there's way more faster pace and there's a, like, Split is really good Split's, Split's really the good. best Split's, one Split I think arguably out of was, all of was, them yeah it was really really good uh, which is, I never really cared for James McAvoy but I liked him in that oh, I love him in that so, I, I like James McAvoy um, yeah, so I always forget that she is um, Australian, uh, but Tony Collette. With Tony Collette, but her accent in this movie was a little in and out for me for sort of like a Philly accent. Like it was kind of here, it was kind of yeah, there. Yeah. But I would never have thought that she was Australian. Yeah. Um, but like sh- her character, just wanting to constantly be there for her kid and care for her kid, but also like has to ground herself in reality and then she's also upset because she can't help him and she doesn't know what to do she did that flawlessly she did such a good job of playing a real like single mom Mm -hmm. like I had a single mom growing up and I Mm -hmm. remember like my mom had issues with me with like you know (laughs) you saw dead people I saw dead people Um, (laughs) but like we had a hard time growing up with my mom like my my dad he passed away when I was really young so like I struggled with that Mm -hmm. and my mom didn't actually really know how to deal with that with the son because that's such a crazy world Mm -hmm. and so I totally there was moments during that movie where I remember just remember being a young kid going I remember my mom being that stressed out about me and I remember her like just that that like exasperated just like emotional defeat of like what I'm just trying so hard mm-hmm. and she just doesn't know how to do it and it's such a grounded performance yes like it's not that scene in the car at the very end of the movie where like he tells her that she can see he can see dead people and like he's like he tells her about Nan and she just like completely like that's a really it's I such know, like that that's means. the scene that made me go oh yeah no she's like one of the best horror icons ever because I mean I mean, we'll talk about Hereditary in a minute, like, because yeah. she should have been nominated for that, too. But I agree. Um, yeah. But one thing that I thought was kind of interesting about this movie was that she didn't actually know that it was a horror movie until post. Whoa. So she did the... Because she thought it was a story about, like, her relationship with her son that Ooh. had supernatural powers, sort of like a drama mm. with, like, a hook. And then when she saw the release, she wow. was like... Oh, this is a horror movie. Okay. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought. I, it's I thought funny because really I think cool. that was the year two thousand, where like there wasn't really much like behind the scenes look at movies like mm-hmm. there is today. So it's like I feel like yeah, you might not know stuff about movies you're in until they you see the trailer. But mm-hmm. like I feel like with everything else going on now, you wouldn't be able to get away with that. But I think that that's I, crazy. She didn't know that. That's she had so no funny. idea. I think though that um, the scene that you're talking about, whenever he's talking about like her mom, yeah, uh, like his grandmother in the car. I think that was her Oscar reel. Yeah. Like when they were showing, I'm pretty oh, sure had that to was be. It. that was the scene. That There's was always the scene. that one scene, like when they when they when they go to actors, when you get a script, when you're like manager, agent, or whatever's like. There's 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 um there's the scene, right? Mm-hmm. There's that one scene that like, uh, that you as an actor get to bring home, bring to the table, all your skills and and perform this character in their. It's like the Oscar moment, right? Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. it's the moment that's like people are gonna remember for how you portray the character in that moment of absolute devastation or enlightenment or you see the change in the character and that's that scene like that's the one that you, you she would read that scene first when she got the script 
and then would go through it because like that would show where Which, well I would have thought that it would have been you remember whenever um, she keeps talking about like who moved my bumblebee bracelet yeah, or yeah, brooch yeah. or whatever the hell it was yeah. and then he was like it wasn't me and then she's like why are you lying and then she's like leave the table and then he comes back up to her and she's doing laundry but she's crying and then he's like are you mad and she's like do I look like I'm mad and then she starts crying and then they're hugging and then yeah. she's like I want to help you and like that particular it's like well first of all that really demonstrates her range because you can see that she's trying to be that like you know sort of disciplinarian but then she like breaks because it's like i mean oh my god what is this kid's name again um not Haley joel osmond isn't it Haley joel osmond yeah yeah Haley joel yeah Haley yeah. joel osmond and he, like, he's so cute as yeah. a kid like how could you be mad he's, he's such so a good cute. child actor too yeah I, if i see good. a movie and it has a bad child actor i, I don't want to watch it i know it takes you completely out of it like i know what movie would i i saw something recently that had a bad child actor and i was like jesus christ it was not like, room which one? No, the room's Jacob Tremblay. Yeah, it was yeah, good. No, he's good. He was no, no, really no, he good. was amazing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I can't remember what it was. I think it was more like an action movie that just had a small kid role, yeah. and he just was super annoying. But uh, no, he that kid, man, he was nominated for an Oscar too, wasn't he? He was. He's like what nine? He was ten. Oh, because he's born in '88, and the movie came out in '99, and they filmed it obviously. So he was like probably, nine or 10, yeah, he really, yeah. he really like nine or ten when yeah, he filmed that's that. That's crazy. Like in like you know when you see like. Child actors get nominated for those things, and you're like, okay, well, it's like they just, it's because they were in this movie and they That's were right. good, but he was good. Like, he, he was, was like, good. holy shit. Like, yeah, he was good. And such heavy subject matter for a kid to be like, to have a director have to look at a 10 year old and be like, okay, you need to pretend yeah. that there are three people hanging from that ceiling. Right. <laughs> and the kid's like, not a problem, Mr. Shamalan. <laughs> I wonder How what do you say the, pronounce the sh- name again? Uh, like, Shamalan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shamalan? I'm not sure. Uh, uh, I always get it wrong. But uh, it, it's fine. He did Avatar, so it, you're Oh, even. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Avatar. Right. Uh, but I loved, I think my favorite part about Tony Collette in this movie, not like obviously like all the acting aside, because I, I I have such an appreciation for Tony Collette after seeing this movie, but her fucking outfits with her fucking press on nails and oh, yeah. like just how she was like kind of cheap. And oh, like, yeah. I just loved it. I love oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. kitschy yeah, sort yeah. of aesthetic of her character yeah. and like the way that they like dressed her up and stuff like that, because, you know, they went to that like rich guy's house and all of the women were like, oh, but she's Jeffrey out. and I yeah, yeah, are yeah. going to the country club this weekend and she yeah. was sitting her there with her neon green like yeah. turtle she's like I got a bunch of grapes at home I gotta finish or else they're yeah. gonna go bad yeah <laughs> she's like, I loved it yeah. I loved her she character. looked like if you took uh, Queen Street Rest and Queen Street West and put in a shotgun and blasted it into the wardrobe department. Like that's just exactly what it looks well, like. Now. Well, now, yeah, 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 now, yeah. yeah. But it was, uh, yeah, man, she's really, really good in it because it's such a like, because when you any time you have any of those more movies with like a big crazy hook, like uh, has that big like you know elevator pitch, like he's a kid but he sees dead people and the guy's a ghost and he's and, and you know find out to the end and it has like these big horror tropes and like supposed to be this like having grounded characters mm-hmm. keep you invested and in believing everything else that's happening and i felt like that scene with her in the car with her son at the end like i just that to me was like i was so much more invested in her than bruce willis because mm-hmm. can we just stop take a moment to talk about how much bruce willis is not a good actor in that movie really i don't think he's that good in that at all he's so wooden he's just so wooden and there's no emotional range in anything he's saying but i mean that's bruce willis exactly that's why i'm like i think he was just miscast for it like but then you would have to say that about like every Bruce Bruce Willis movie because he's kind of always no, that like, he's like but he's, stern. He's, yeah, but he's perfect in Die Hard. Like that's like I he, mean, yeah, Die sure. Hard is having fun and he's like you know has more personality than the the he's like when he's doing the, the the game with the kid to make him come sit down. Like I've never seen like like it's creepy. So, it's so there's no enthusiasm no. for like he's like I know a game and usually you play a game <laughs> with a kid you're like it's like, he's like there's some joy in it and there's some fun and it's like do 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 and he's just like i'm gonna ask a question take one step back and i'm like this is so fun this yeah. is like yeah holy crap like, and also like misha barton like haunts my dreams i can't believe that was Misha. that's another thing too every time yeah. i watch movies from the 2000s and it has so many like surprise actors in them that i'm like oh my god you were in like, yeah people who got their first roles yeah and it's like yeah man it's just that one little role you get in the in a movie that made 363 million dollars that summer and then like yeah you're gonna get work the rest of your life yeah 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 oh it's cr- and all you had to do was puke some soup for two for two minutes for two <laughs> days on set um, but just as sort of just like a takeaway just from sure. this takeaway uh, movie was that like Tony Collette was an extreme standout in this film and I watching this movie 
recently, after not watching it for a really long time, I actually have an, an extreme appreciation for not just the movie, but also like the performances in the mm-hmm. film. And it was just like, I kind of like, after watching that movie, I was like, this is like one of my favorite movies of oh, all yeah. time, like ever. Oh yeah. Her, him and the, the kid and the mom are just such a one, two punch of like, it's am- yeah, together. amazing. Even the early ones when like little things are starting to get real. Like when she comes in the kitchen, and everything's moved about mm-hmm. and he, she just uh, has to assume it was him. Yeah. Even though it wasn't. And he's like, she's like, okay, just plays along. Like that's what parents do. Yeah. Felt like, so it's all like such a real performance. Like yeah. it just felt like a very, like just like, Nothing over the top. I just, I so believe that this is just this mom going through hell trying to make sure her, she just wants to have her kid be all right. Like anybody who has a kid that's in therapy, like you just want them to be okay. And no, I, I agree. That. Yeah. No, I, I fully agree. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's move on to our next nominee, Chloe Sevigny in Boys Don't Cry. First of all, okay. <laughs> I have many, many things that I have to say as a disclaimer before we get into this. Anybody listening that is part of the LGBTQIA2 community, uh, yes, I understand why Boys Don't Cry is very problematic. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know that they cast a cis white heterosexual female uh, Hillary Swank as the lead actress and I understand why that is troubling and I also understand that there is a lot of misrepresentation and a lot of really bad rhetoric in the movie when talking about trans identity and sexuality and I need to say that off the top this movie is uh, it, it was before it's time mm-hmm. in in talking about you know because um, prior to this prior to this it was um, oh my god what was that movie that Boy George sang it's so transphobic um, uh, oh my god a cry, a cry in the, a cry in the dark or I, I can't know. remember what it's called but anyway um, there are so many things that are wrong about this movie but and I I, I understand that but that being said for the time this movie was like kind of groundbreaking mm. and kind of really the only a major dramatic story that a lot of trans people could look at. Um, that being said, yeah. if anybody has not seen this movie, major trigger warning, it's basically just one giant hate crime and it's a very difficult movie to watch. Uh, I had to pause this movie about six times uh, before I could finish it. I'm not a trans person, but I do know what it's like to be discriminated against as a gay person and to be the target of violence. And so watching this movie, it is not something that I've ever been like, hey, you know what movie? We should pop in the DVD player. Like, never ever would I want to watch this kind of movie in yeah. my spare time. Yeah, so you gave me the heads up too that it was very much a graphic and very intense movie. And mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about it. Like, I, I've heard about it in some sense. Like, I knew that what it was about, but I never, it was never in my um, zeitgeist or whatever to to appreciate and watch um, and like you know I'm a straight white dude so like I can't I don't want to say too much about a story or world that I don't really have a voice in because I don't like I don't know that experience mm-hmm. but watching the movie um, and again because you gave me the heads up about a lot of it um, the performances are incredible. amazing like the, the They're performances amazing. are incredible mm-hmm. and I Chloe uh, I forget oh, I was gonna say her last name wrong Seven Yang Seven Yang Chloe Seven Yang she's a powerhouse in it mm-hmm. like she like I can see like she just I felt that she was in love with this character and you and gravitate it, toward her oh my god hundred percent the movie doesn't start really until you see no. her no hundred percent she like to me like she's the inciting incident like I understand a lot of things happen pretty heavy off the top like you see um, uh, was it Brandon Brandon Tina Brandon Tina yeah. and then her and then his actual name. Uh, like bio yeah. at birth was Tina. Brandon. Tina, that's right, right. And then he just flipped it. Yeah. So Brandon, uh, I felt like uh, Chloe's character was very much in love with Brandon. Mm. And I and, when, and after the prison scene where like the, she sees them in a female prison and she's confused and you know and she's like it doesn't matter to me like I felt that because it felt earned because I felt like her character was really in love and, and still was after that point, mm-hmm. which just makes it so devastating everything that happens after that with the two guys that are like, is one of them her brother in the movie? No. Chloe, no. No, 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 no. No, but I'm so happy that you brought that up because that actually never happened. Interesting. So... Because it is based on a true story. What was her name? Lena? Yeah. So... so. Or Lana. Lana. So uh, in real life, Lana, after she found out that Brandon was trans male, mm-hmm. um, she ended the relationship. Interesting. In real life. Uh-huh. And um, uh, 
the thing that is really upsetting about the story of Brandon Tina is basically just knowing that, first of all, that it's a true story. Mm-hmm. And also that when you're watching the movie, there is so much medical and legal discrimination against Brandon that yeah. ultimately led to his death, yeah. which really just goes to show how LGBTQ, mm-hmm. specifically T, obviously, mm-hmm. people are discriminated against in the United States. And this wasn't that long ago. This was in 1993 when this happened. Yeah. So, um, and we're getting better. Mm-hmm. At the United States is getting better. Um but like people are still being killed mm-hmm. over these kinds of things mm-hmm. and like this movie is just yeah like i would yeah, never yeah, watch I, this honestly, movie and it kind of puts some things in perspective again being like a straight white guy who you know never experienced that kind of you know um hate in, in that world like it, mm-hmm. it, it kind of opened up a couple of things for me going like you know people go through this and, mm-hmm. it's, and it's and it's scary and it's terrifying and like mm-hmm. you know we have to do better to let people know that like people like that that they're welcome to be themselves. Like the scene, any scene with a cop drove me crazy. I know. Oh my God. Like there's one like where, um, after, you know, um, I would say content trigger warning, uh, for the, this moment in the segment, but you know, after the rape scene, um, um, the cop, you know, just asking these questions that had nothing to do with what happened. Nothing. I, I remember do, just yeah. being as a, as a viewer, I was just like, Oh my God. Like, fuck off. Oh my God. Yeah. And like, and like whoever casted that cop too was, Perfect, because when they do yeah. they do a reverse shot, so you see Harry Swank, you see Brandon like upset, sharing, ask, getting asked these questions. You don't see the cop yet. And when the camera flips, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what you look like. Yeah, <laughs> like, I was like, that's exactly what you fucking look like, you fucking loser. Like, yeah. Oh my god. Like when you're on the highway and somebody cuts you off, and you like try to catch up. Yeah, to them you have to see, see them. them and you always got to look, you look, look like. like you just knew, like <laughs> you were a cop. <laughs> like, but that's the thing is that this movie, like, it doesn't age well. However, mm. this movie was important because there kind of was like a bit of a stepping off point for you know yeah. lgbtq movies there's a there's an article on on cbc um uh here i'm bringing it up right now it's it's done by um peter net i think k-n-e-g-t i might be pronouncing the last name wrong yeah I no i know but, peter peter knight i think yeah i think Knet? so yeah, yeah. n-e-g n-e-g-t k-n-e-g-t is his last name anyway he has an article about the 20-year anniversary which is not too long ago for boys don't cry and and uh the writer is a trans individual as well, so they you have a perspective. And I read this article when I was looking up and more about this movie, and it was it gave a it gave exactly that point to that we're talking about how at the time it was progressive, but it has not aged well for these reasons. Right. Um, so I would recommend uh, it's called Back to 1999: How Trans Folks Negotiate the Complicated Legacy of Boys Don't Cry, 20 Years Later by Peter Knight. Uh, great article and puts and puts a refreshing perspective of what that movie means today. I love that. Yeah, it was a, it was a really good reading, and yeah. But back to the performance, though, because for Best Supporting Actress, Chloe, like, uh, Sevignan, she, it was awesome. Like, she just was, like, like I just felt so devastated for her when mm-hmm. everything went to shit at the end. And um, and just, like, when she pulls out the note in, in Brandon's body, or Brandon's jacket after he gets shot, it was just, like, fuck, like, like. Yeah, she 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 was the highlight for me. I mean, obviously, Hillary Swank, yes, did yeah. a great job. Right. But to me, like, to me... To me, supporting actress and even actor, like to me, those are the roles that I, I feel more connected to in a movie because, like, you have your main character that you're invested in, but the supporting characters are the one who, you know, love the main character and want to see them succeed. So when you see the main character fail or die or lose, like, they're the conduit for the audience of like, fuck, like mm-hmm. that happened to the person I came up to see this movie about. Right. So like, they're how the audience really feels at the end. Like when the like when the mom and the and Sixth Sense and and Chloe when the, when Brent like you just like. Fuck, like you just you feel that is exactly their pain. Like, you feel yeah. their pain. Yeah, yeah. And I agree with you. I would definitely say that Chloe had um uh, a very strong presence in the film. She seemed very hopeless. She was kind of a mess. And you really kind of do see her grow a little bit because it almost seems like Brandon like grounded her a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I thought the way that she demonstrated that was kind of subtle, mm. but it was effective. And I think that for the tone of the film it made sense. Um, there's a, I'll tell you a crazy, not to, I know I'm sidetracking right now, but it was a crazy thing about when that movie got rated, um, rated R cause it originally got the NC 17, which is like, you know, saying that it's way too violent or sexual. Like it, you can't show it to anyone under the age 18, no matter what. Sure. Um, so to get rid of the N77, the NC 17, the director thought that she had to, um, tone down the rape scene, but actually it was Chloe's, uh, orgasm during the sex scene was too long. Are and, you serious? And, and, like, and, and even the director and writer was like, 
it was crazy that that was what they were upset with. Wow. Because, and you know, if you remember that movie, it shot just like an overhead shot of just Chloe's face. And it's just like a beautiful moment between her and Brandon being right. intimate together for the first time. So, yep. you know, there wasn't, no part of me was thinking this is too much. But, you know, uh, I watched this movie in the middle of the day. And I remember when, you know, the two man attack and rape Brandon, mm-hmm. I had to pause it for a minute. Like, cause I was like, this is, I don't handle scenes like that in what movies very well. Like, like, uh, just, I mean, who does? Who does, right? <laughs> Who's like, just, yes. I understand artistic merit, and we can totally go down that rabbit hole of a conversation, but, like, you know, I was just, like, it was the middle of the day, sunny out. Like, I know I was watching this scene, and I was like, I'm just going to go get a drink of water and then come back. Um, yeah. But it's funny that that's what got them the N7, NC-17. That's crazy. And, like, that just shows the perspective of Americans, because they were, like, yeah. it wasn't getting the shot in the head either, or... It's a, it's like, a woman it's, expressing it's, her sexuality. Yeah, like, yeah, Like, come on. Um, one thing that I will say on a lighter note that I thought was kind of funny is whenever they're having that ditch party at the beginning with the pickup truck rodeo, and I was just like, okay, let the countdown to the hate crime begin. If you have no context of what this movie is going to be, that's called, um, they call it bumper car riding. Oh, oh, bumper, yeah. bumper, bumper yeah. surfing. It's called yeah. bumper surfing. Yeah. And the second that you see that in a movie, you're like, and eh, it's going to end in a hate crime. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what this movie is about, but I just saw that scene. So <laughs> someone's, <laughs> someone's going to be a hate crime. Yeah, yeah. Somebody's going to be a hate crime. Um, also, so wait, oh, yeah. I will just say yeah. though, to Chloe Sevigny's performance, this movie without her just doesn't make sense. 100%. And it doesn't really exist. And she played the part, in my opinion, subtly Mm -hmm. but it was effective and it she did demonstrate range Mm -hmm. and um i don't it's one of those things where i can't picture anybody else in this role 100 percent. yeah no she was fantastic she she made the movie for me 100 percent. okay so let us move on to our next nominee which this one i'm excited to talk about let's talk about katherine keener and being john malkovich okay we watched this movie together okay and i gotta (laughs) before we get into it there was a moment for those who have seen John Malkovich, like it's a, it's quite a story, and I remember we were so not confused, but just like like we get it. It's Charlie written by Charlie Kaufman, Spike Jones directed, and like you know, it's just one of those movies that's so artsy and weird for the sake of weird. And you, I'm sure we can sit down and go through every metaphor and justify it, but like I, the first half of that half hour of that movie, I was like, I don't know, man. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> I heard so many amazing things. Like yeah. Danny loves it. Mm-hmm. All my friends was like, you're gonna love it. Yeah. But I remember I turned over watching you watched the movie and you were just like slack jawed letting all the air escape from your body like and Confused. i never laughed so hard in my life i've never seen you so sober and look so fucked up at the same time like it was wild that movie like well first of all just off the board just off the top it was extremely boring off the top yeah like first- i i realized that they're trying to build up into something yeah. uh for the record i loved this movie but the first 45 i was like i don't know if i can do this oh yeah once they start opening the door and like the, he finds the door like like the moment that everything changes for him like that mm-hmm. was when everything started really picking up yes and like and like and when because like like he when had, he goes into his own mind yeah when he's been yeah, yeah, john yeah. for the first time and like things start to pick up like things start moving much quicker but like you know i understand uh, and i do appreciate when a movie doesn't explain everything it just things just exist and mm-hmm. i love that but it just felt like there was just so many little odd little things that i was trying to keep up on but even all the characters like you said just nothing was really happening yet like mm-hmm. i understand that uh you know um what's his name um jo- jo- john um what's the main character's name oh my god cusack john cusack john cusack's wife uh uh who's uh oh my god why am I blanking? Cameron Ernie? Diaz. Cameron Diaz, thank you. You're just going to finish all my sentences. I'd be like, did you want some more wine? Uh, <laughs> so, like, I get that there are a couple in a shitty basement apartment. He needs a new job. But, like, when there was, like, a puppeteer and there's just moments when, like... I know. And you're just like... What okay, is happening? What? And it's like, sure, okay, he's a puppeteer. And then, like, there's one moment where someone says to him, like, why are you upset or something? And he's like, I'm a puppeteer. And we were like, isn't this the story of, like, every comedian? Every shitty oh, yeah. open micer that's just, like, has this girlfriend who supports him. And, like, yes. she's, like, she's doing <laughs> living everything. In, living and in she, a basement. And she's like, you need to get a job. And he's like, I'm only good at puppeteering. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, I was like, if you're only good at telling jokes, you can still fucking bag a thing of groceries. Or, yeah, or no, I know. Like, you can do something. Anyway, it was such a, like, it was just such a haunting, like, 
Like it felt like a story of like a comedian who tried to be a, a, puppet, a puppeteer, but as a comedian and him finding John Malkovich was just finding out who's good at TikTok. That, <laughs> like yeah, he was yeah. just like, yeah, it's comedy. And it's yeah. like, well, how much money are you making? Well, I will say watching this movie, the first 45 was boring and then it got super interesting. And then I was yeah. super into it. Yeah. That being said though, cause I was, we were, when we were just talking about Chloe Sevigny kind of being the center yeah. of, and the catalyst of kind yeah. of the story, Catherine Keener in this film, like, I would say she had more of a lead role than yeah. more of a supporting role. Yeah. And I realize this is probably like a spoiler to this podcast, but I feel like Cameron Diaz should have been nominated and not Catherine Keener. I agree. I so agree. I remember watching, because here's my problem. This is so, so when you talk about The Sixth Sense and you talk about uh, Boys Don't Cry, they're t- the two supporting actress characters are, you know, grounded characters that support the story that's happening and elevate the story and are conduits for the audience for me to feel how, reacting how what's happening to the main characters mm-hmm. whereas like um Turner is just like um Keener uh, sorry Keener not Turner I'm again Catherine <laughs> Kathleen Keener, Turner Kathleen Turner I'm <laughs> starring and being John Malkovich different movie or same movie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she uh Catherine it just felt like she was the opposite. It's like she was the tone of the movie in her character. Yeah. Like she was so that kind of like... I agree. Surreal, very surreal. But serious at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And very like... she very, Her voice was very much the voice of what, what the movie's tone and style was trying to be. Mm-hmm. Just very like aloof and like... And taking something seriously and just like... And, and and just her even like her smile and the way she... Like every time she smiled, that smile at people that mm-hmm. was like kind of evil in a way and I was like this she kind of was she had like villain vibes she did have villain vibes I mean she kind of was I mean she was you know using John Malkovich as a conduit to sleep with John Cusack's wife and you're just like what the fuck like you're not a good person like I I uh, the only growth and he's not they're not they're all the only good person is um I mean no I guess they're all bad people I just kind of felt like I mean, not just because Cameron Diaz basically went like full Charlize Theron with like the transformation. Obviously not like that I didn't recognize her until like... I didn't recognize her. I was like, you were like, that's Cameron Diaz. And I was like, what? I know. And not just that, but also like Catherine Keener in this movie, really the only range I felt that... I felt like... I feel like there's probably some queen somewhere that's like, are you fucked? But I feel like she was just a little one note for me in this movie. Because the only kind of like range that she demonstrated for me was kind of near the end. uh, And it was, again, it was kind of subtle, was whenever, you know, she realizes that like she's not happy even yeah. with you know John Malkovich yeah. uh, with uh, John uh, Cusack in his head yeah, because yeah, at the yeah. end of the day it, then it, it is John Cusack yeah. and it's it's not John Mal and so, so here's my problem is that yeah you feel bad for her at the end because that's when she shows range but because she to me it was like there wasn't like an arc for her that made me feel like it was redeemed in a sense that when things didn't go well she wasn't liking it I wasn't like oh no you know what I mean like mm-hmm. I never felt good for her character and like yeah, I just like I just found her like I don't mind an unlikable character. I don't mind an unlikable character either. There are a lot of unlikable characters in movies, but I got to be invested in their story. But like no, I agree and like not to like skip ahead too quickly no, no, here, no, but just sort of like Angelina Jolie and Girl Interrupted where it's just sort of like she's extremely unlikable, but like I'm invested. 100%. But like with Catherine Keener in this movie, um I think I I, I, I okay. First of all, the way that she acted it was perfect for the role and the yeah. tone because it's a weird fucking movie. Yeah, yeah. So in that sense, yes, absolutely, she did the she did the, the role yeah. justice. Yeah. And she she did a great job for what was required for it. But that being said, though, do I think that she should have been nominated for an Academy Award for that role? I don't think so. Mm, no, I agree. I, I think I, it should have been Cameron. Should have been absolutely because Cameron Diaz, like you know. She had more of like a tragic arc that I. She had more of an arc. Like I felt like there was a beginning, middle, end for her character. I agree. Like, with uh, her, it was just like she was just this weird, evil little weird little lady that was like getting off on the idea of seeing people when they were in John Malkovich's body, like having like a a psychic threesome. Yeah, and yeah. you're like what? And like, and yeah, and just like I just felt like she, she wasn't redeemable. She was the reverse kind of like reverse manic pixie dream girl. That's like a stock right. character. That's <laughs> also like its own fucking problem. But like. Uh, just like kind of appealing to the male male psyche of just like ooh she's hot and sexy but like you know doesn't want you but wants you and like it yeah. just felt so like felt like a very character that pandered to the sh- shitty dumb boyfriend yeah. of John Cusack's character and mm-hmm. that's the other problem with the first forty five minutes is weird little things move so fast yeah like he's married to Cameron Diaz and they have this all these animals in the friggin' apartment and he's trying to get a job and but I love like, that they and, never really explain that no they just yeah. they just exist 
And uh, and then he's like, I'm in love with you at the elevator. And mm-hmm. I'm like, this is like 20. They haven't even gotten to the freaking John Malkovich door yet. And I'm like, you're in love with her? And yeah. I'm like, and I get it. That's the tone of the movie and stuff. But like, yeah, the first 40 minutes, I was I was like, I don't know. But then the last 45 was so good because everything just started to click and everything started to make sense. And I was like, all right, I, I like you, yeah. movie. I feel like Octavia Spencer had more presence than Catherine Weiner in this I know. movie. I in the movie. We were both like, <laughs> like is that what? Movie? <laughs> like, this movie, an interesting sort of uh, fact is that um, the movie was originally supposed to be being Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. That's a different movie. Which I don't know if anybody wants to see no. what that would be no. like. No. He is fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I... And also just like, he's too... So you didn't you tell me this story about how the movie was made and like the script was going around or did Danny tell me this? But basically the guy who wrote this was working on it for a while and it was called being John Malkovich mm-hmm. first. But then the company, the producers... The studio was like well you need a bigger name you know we don't think think john's a great actor but you know that's not gonna sell tickets but apparently like john malkovich heard about this film script called being Being shopped around yeah called (laughs) being john malkovich and he was like what the fuck like do i have to be in this like and he apparently got a copy read it and like loved it and was like i want to do it and it's just a weird like he was great in that movie he was so like i it's so funny because like i didn't expect him to be such a big character in the movie like i thought he was just going to be a conduit for the story of like you can be john malkovich and like we're just going to see him living his life maybe run of the characters but then when he found out when he went in that tunnel and and that's something i thought wouldn't happen to like the end of the movie yeah and he just saw everybody was john malkovich and like everyone was saying john malkovich. Yeah. that was like that was so fun. weird and so fun so fun and done better than any cgi like everything looked this was made in 1999 and like it looked real like it looked really no, good no I, yeah. I fully agree with yeah, you it was awesome. um, so let's move on to our next nominee um, <laughs> let's talk about Samantha Morton in Sweet and Low Down so um, she was nominated for a role where she didn't even say uh, a single word the only award that she ever won for this role was the London Critics Circle Film Awards and um, she doesn't have any spoken lines throughout the entire movie Rosie O'Donnell was actually offered the role of Hattie and she turned it down because of her disdain for Woody Allen's relationship with his daughter, yeah. Sunyi, which like, amen girl, yeah. uh, like bleh. And uh, it still blows my mind that still there's every now and then I'll hear that a Woody Allen movie's coming out and certain actors in it. I'm like, why? I know. Like, what is it? What is it? like? What I don't. Kate know. Winslet did that recently with Wonder Wheel. Yeah, and, and I'm like, like mm. I'm not, I'm not in deep Hollywood, but like, and I, I'm like, but how the like what the like we like what <laughs> like I know it's I, really gross. Yeah, uh, but he um, but yeah. Uh, so this is the movie I like the least. I think out of all of them, I loved this movie first of all Emmett Ray if anybody is in Canadian comedy you would know is just a really depressing open mic <laughs> so this gave me new context and maybe I that's why that. I didn't like it because I was like Emmett Fair. Ray and I was like Whoa. Um. Um, but <laughs> but Sean Penn was a piece of shit but he was kind of redeemable in this movie but Samantha Morton is so cute in this movie yeah. I loved her so much there was never one moment where I wasn't aware of how she felt what she wanted what she was trying to communicate and she wasn't saying anything and that is really fucking hard to do yeah and i thought that she was amazing in this and to be frank i'm surprised that she didn't win more awards uh so here is where we finally disagree on a lot of things okay <laughs> uh, now Fair. i was like well i was like where do you mean? this is pretty fun oh here it is two more glasses of wine let's go yeah um, <laughs> give me another glass <laughs> give me another glass uh okay yeah this is okay i did not like this movie that much i've actually never seen i'm a huge movie guy i've seen a lot of movies mm-hmm. uh, a lot of classics i've actually not seen many if any woody allen movies i never saw any hall like i just kind of stayed away from him and when you hear all those stories i'm like well, i don't really feel invested to go see- seek out his art right now frankly like, some are good and some are bad yeah that's what i've heard and it's like okay so yeah. he's just a movie director but he um um with this one it's like i don't know like i i I get why it was well respected. Like, like mm. Sean Penn is great. He plays a character. He's a character actor in this movie, yeah. and he's playing a. Character. Oh, he's amazing. In oh, this he's movie. he's great. He's yeah. amazing. But like, I don't know. Like, Wait, but pause. Did he not remind you of every old school, really talented white male comic that you've ever met in your entire life? Where they're just a fucking mess. Yeah. They're talented, but they're like the worst human being oh, yeah, you've yeah, ever yeah. met and in you're your just entire like, life. And you're, yeah, you're like. Uh, you just ask him, how's your day? And I'm like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I don't know. I just was talking to you. Like, it's just like, <laughs> just the whole ego. And like, yeah, 100%. I, I saw that. And also just like, I don't know. It's like, I just was the movie as a whole in its story was just this like, and I was talking to Danny about it too. He's like, that's kind of all Woody Allen movies. These kind of neurotic, you know, egotistical 
men in their lives and like nothing really happens but it's a bunch of moments stringed together through goalposts of their character reacting to things and scenes. That's true of, actually. That is kind of a common thread with the so like, movies. And so I never really experienced that in his other films but in this one I was just like I was like I don't give a shit about this guy at all. Like, And again there can always be movies about bad people being shitty and like you're invested but I don't know like I think he was just so such a shithead to her character yeah. who's a mute who's so sweet yeah, I know. and you're just like I know. and then like when everything goes to shit from at the end I'm like good <laughs> like yeah. like and when it and it kind of just ends like it just like he destroys the guitar and it's Woody Allen talking to you and oh yeah this is the first one that has like kind of like a different format of how it's shot it's like mockumentary style totally and apparently he does that in a couple of other movies too and uh yeah. and I didn't know it was going to be like that and yeah. I, I I appreciated that cuz there's some moments where things are happening and I was like what? But I understand the storytelling technique. Like mm-hmm. when they go to like the gas station, is that robbery and it's told through three different perspectives. Like right. that was kind of cool and neat. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. But it was just like, I don't know, like, and with her character, like she did a great job, but like there was just some little things that were annoying the hell out of me. Like when he asks her a question, she just looks at him and he's like, oh, you're not answering. I'm like, I know you're a mute, but you know how to nod yes and y- nod no. Right. Like that was just like a, Fair. like you just go no or yes. Like, but my, go, maybe there was a, re- but she also sh- was like mentally. Like, I, I guess maybe I forgot that about that, but like, I don't know. To me, it was just like, that was just like a weird little comedian tick in my head of just like, why don't you just nod Answer your head? Bitch, yeah. But uh, and, she, and then she has bad penmanship, and I'm like, of course she's got bad penmanship. She go to a school for kids with special needs and be like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> oh god, no. Uh, but like she, but even when like she's like, it's just like to me, it just felt so like it was written away to really establish that she could not communicate. Like when she writes things down, he's like, you can't, I can't read your handwriting, and I'm like, really? I'm like, I think you can't read. I think I don't. Yeah, I'm like, I don't think you can read, man. Uh, but also like, uh, oh, but side note though, yeah. Whenever Uma Thurman shows mm-hmm. up. She actually was pretty good in the movie, a little overacting, but she was pretty good at it. Great. But I gotta say, as a girl who also has a big nose, ah. why did she have so many facial profile shots? Yeah. That is just hostile <laughs> from the director. If I saw that shit in post, I'd be like, what the fuck, Woody Allen? Why and did you do that? that? I, I feel for the the actor, the male guy that she was with, who's like five foot six. I'm like, you're gonna put him next to Uma Thurman, he's going to look five, four foot six like, yeah. so fast. <laughs> but there was like the thing with her silent character. There was one moment early in the movie where they're sitting on like a Sean Penn and her sitting, looking out at the water and she's just a, uh, um, smiling and like at one point she's sad about what he's saying and her face goes like this. I know you can't see, but it picture just like, like she just goes really like down with like her lips. Man. Yeah. Like me. And I just like, that kind of took me out of it. And I was like, okay, that's a little much. Um, but to me, like it just felt like she wasn't in it enough. For a best supporting role actress, like oh, I listen, did. the episode that Dan did yeah. um, on uh, for Ingrid Bergman, we're talking two, three and a half hour movies yeah. with five minute performances. Yeah. So Samantha Morton, as far as I'm concerned, was almost a lead compared <laughs> yeah, to some okay, of these sure, movies sure. that I've seen. Sure. I, I guess just to me, it was like I, I, I guess because she does so such a nuanced performance that I almost wanted to see more of it and to see how much more she can bring range to that type of performance. Mm-hmm. Like it felt very like, yeah, I know I get, I guess like people love the nuance of it and stuff, but to me it just like, I don't know. Like I just, I, I, it didn't blow me out of the water. It just felt like another one of those kind of acting wrote tropes where there's just a big hook that it's like, Fair. you know, they're playing character, but right, <laughs> like, right, right? right. And I was like, but the, but wasn't done well enough for me. Okay. Um, but, no, uh, she's, she's great, but like, it just wasn't like, I wasn't like, she was so good at doing nothing. Like, yeah. I didn't really. No, I, I totally yeah. get that. I, it also didn't help that I did not like the movie in any way. So like, fair. and when that, that to me, yeah, like, that there's a lot help. of movies that like, people are like, they're so good. I'm like, yeah, but they're in this movie. So yeah. which can help, help, help it be better. I, mean. uh, I mean, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I agree with you. I, I loved this movie. I loved her in this movie. I thought yeah. she was adorable. She was probably my favorite part of the movie. Um, but I, I kind of like whenever yeah. I have guests on where it's like, we just kind of like don't agree. Cause you know, oh, no, like, you know, that's the whole but I mean, point. Come on, the know? whole point in the beginning, like in the, in the beginning of the movie, he like plays for eight minutes straight. The whole movie starts with eight minutes of playing at a party and then he gets in a car with other four black performers and he's like, yeah, I'm the second best jazz performer in the world. And they're like, yeah, that's great. And you're like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> like this white guy is like, it's like, what is this? Ryan Gosling's what he studied True. for La La Land. Yeah. Like they're like, mm, you stole you that. St- from yeah. Us. Yeah. yeah. You're like, it's called cultural appropriation. Yeah. Thank and I was you. like, and that like when he's like, let's, let's go shoot rats. And they're like, whoa, man. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, like, yeah. why are they all like, anyway, it was, that was to me, it was like a very like weird little, like dumb 
white guy in a proceeding, like doing excelling in a world that's not his world. And I was like, whatever. It just took me out of it. No, um, completely fair. I mean, there have been so many movies that I have done in this podcast where uh, the guests that I've had on like loved the movie. And then I was like, are we talking about the same? Yeah, thing? yeah, and yeah, I'm like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, okay, so uh, fair enough. Uh, but uh, Samantha Morton, good job. Um, <laughs> so let us talk about our winner. So let us talk about Angelina Jolie for Girl Interrupted. This is the Academy Award uh, acceptance speech that is in history one of the cringiest of all times because she like kissed her brother like at the Vanity Fair Oscar party in 2000. And then when she accepted her award, she like went up and was like, my brother just like held me so close and tenderly and just like told me he loved me. And so it created this really weird like media spin where they were like, is Angelina Jolie like fucking her brother? And it was like (laughs) Like, really, and then Billy Bob came in and it got like weirder. And then it was just like this weird, this was Angelina Jolie has had a really weird career. Yeah. And, um, this was her first and only supporting, uh, nomination. Her second was for, Changeling, that was a lead. So she's only been nominated twice, which um, I actually found kind of interesting because after she did this movie, she did a lot of bad movies. But she is a great actor. I have seen this movie 1,400,000 times. Um, This movie has, you know, you have like Giggles the Lesbian. You have Elizabeth (laughs) Moss as... Oh, there's a lot of people in this that I'm like, you're in this? Oh, she was playing Two-Face from oh, Batman, yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the, uh, Clay Duvall, who my ex was always like, I look like Clay Duvall. I'm like, mm, take a seat. Uh, no, I don't think you look like... No, not me. My ex said oh. that he looked like Clea Duvall. Oh, he? I was like, I was like, no, I know what your nose looks like. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. And I was, I was like, mm, no. Yeah. And then Brittany Murphy. Yes. There were a lot of... There oh, were, it made me miss Brittany Murphy. I know. She was one who She was that, great in that she, movie. She was great in that movie, and she was great in a lot of things. And when she died, I remember like... And I was, you know, only like in high school at the time, but I still... I 2009 was, is when she died. Oh, never mind. Yeah, I was just out of high school. I was just, I was 19. And yeah. she, uh, I remember being like, fuck, like she, yeah, very young and like she was really good in it. But this is so, this is a good example. Angelina Jolie in this, when we were talking about, um, oh my God, uh, Samantha Morton in mm-hmm. uh, Sweet and Lowdown. So I remember I said like, oh, she's playing this, but, and the but being, you know, the hook is that she's mute in this. So Angelina Jolene, you know, is playing a crazy person, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's a kind of like that actor trope of like, oh, the, the something off performance. But she's so good in it. Like, she's so, so Amazing good in it. And this is like an example where we talk about, like, characters that you're, like, not likable, but somehow still likable. Like, yeah. just there's charm in their performance. Well, without her, there is no movie. Oh, the movie is absolutely okay. This movie is just fine. As a I'm, gay man that is fighting words. Yes, that's but fine. I get it. That's fine. I get it. <laughs> that's fine. I get it. Yeah, uh, it was, it's absolutely fine. I just felt like, uh, it just felt too, like... Um, I don't know, like, I saw everything a mile coming, and it just felt like it was mm-hmm. just a lot of, like, here's the thing, when you have all these other characters, which are in movies where, like, like, in Salem Asylums, or everyone's crazy, mm-hmm. right? And especially in a movie where, like, it's all these women that are crazy, right? And you're just like, okay. And, like, and like I get, like, everyone kind of had their own thing, but, like, in movies like this, when it's, like, I felt like, because it felt like an ensemble, but none of the other characters had enough big enough arc if you know what I mean. So what you're saying right now is so funny because that was actually the number one criticism of the movie because yeah. all the reviews yeah. for the film were extremely polarizing. Yeah. They were extremely mixed. Yeah. But the one common thread was that this movie was reliant on characters with quirks yeah. that were kind of just one dimensional. 100%. But they didn't really, like you're saying, have any kind of arc mm-hmm. that ultimately contributed to the story. It was kind of like they would just come in and be crazy and yeah. like that was kind of it. The only one would be like Brittany Murphy who kills herself at the end. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's yeah, that's very so true. So like she, she was like, but then when you had like the one she, the one she was in originally, who like the blonde one who that she, that um, Winona Ryder first was roommates with, and then was the other Clay Duvall, yeah, and then the other one who has like the, the picking apart like the dead food or the food they had underneath their bed was that the same that's Brittany Murphy that's Brittany Murphy yeah Yeah. but like there's just these little moments again like they're just quirks right yeah and like the girl who laughed and giggled and and the one who made like the jokes and it was just like like, the funny lesbian I love her the funny lesbian call me a cat (laughs) yeah but it was just like yeah it just felt like too many one-off one-note characters but and even Winona Ryder Again, this is one of those things where I would consider Angelina Jolie a lead, not a supporting actress. Like, she... 
I could, okay, sure. I could get into that mm. argument yeah. because I also said that Meryl Streep in The Devil Wears Prada was really more of a, uh, like a supporting role than a lead, but she was nominated for lead. Yeah. But in this particular case, you have to remember that Angelina Jolie um, had only won like a Golden Globe for like a TV miniseries called uh, Gia, I think it was called. Yeah. Anyway. You know, at this point, John Voight is her dad. He's super famous, but she wasn't really that famous yet. Yeah. So what they often do is they double down on a supporting category with right. a bigger presence, right. and then that way you're more likely to, to win. win. Right. Yes, I've, I knew kind of about stuff like that. And uh, yeah, Oh, then, also, then, side note, Vanessa Redgrave was the therapist, and I did not realize that. And if you do not know who Vanessa Redgrave is, she is in the most boring movie of all time that huh. everybody fucking loves, and I don't get it, called... Howard's End. It is a British film about oh. a place called Howard's End where they feel the need to say Howard's End <laughs> every five fucking seconds. What it's a, really annoying. What is that about? It is just about <laughs> Howard's <laughs> End. It is the most boring movie well, Ryan, in the world. If I had to tell you, I, you I, wouldn't I, believe me. I can't tell you how many queens are literally like, that is my favorite movie, you fucking asshole. And I'm like, cool, let it be your yeah. favorite movie. I, I, Anyway, Vanessa Redgrave was in this movie, which is just crazy, but it did, I'm going to agree with you, we're just talking about these characters coming in, even Whoopi Goldberg felt like kind of just like a like an, a cameo so or something. Kinda, yeah, I agree because when she when I, I didn't know she was in it, and when she popped, I was like, oh, I, I love Whoopi. Like, I, I love I, Whoopi. I, I love Whoopi, and I'm like, oh, she's gonna be great as this fucking no no fucking this hard ass fucking nurse who's like shut the fuck up. But again, like she just had these couple little mini mon like little one off monologues at the end. But like you know when you look at movies where there's like that kind of character that like mm -hmm. person who has to lay down the law, but you know is trying to do good for them. Um, you know, like the the warden or whatever in prisons, the the nurse who's in charge, um, the teacher at detention. Like you know, they they is there something you, you that connects you to them and the main character because they're also going through their own arc. But her, yeah, like you said, it was just like a glorified cameo of one hundred percent of just like her coming in and being like, "Shut the fuck up" and leaving, and she kills it. Like every time Whoopi talks, I'm like, yeah. "Hell yeah!" Like she's awesome. like, "Listen, yeah." And it's like, and you're like, "What the?" And then they leave, and then she just leaves, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Um, but back to Angelina Jolie, she's like she Haunting. absolutely deserves the nomination like mm -hmm. she because she everyone else was a one-note character but she was a character mm -hmm. who was going who had a lot going on had mental health issues had her own issues and problems but like i was invested in her and she's not a good person but i still wanted to see her succeed like there's just something there's a lot of empathy in her when you watch her performance and like she just it's little and just like little things like she's so invested in the character like when she would you know like she when you she first shows up you can see how she feels between every other character in that place. 100%. Like when she, when the, 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 the girl who's always making the laugh jokes, like she would laugh at her jokes and like, you know, there's one point where she comes in and like she like sits and puts her head on her lap. Like we establish that them two have their own little rapport, right? Yeah. And then she makes fun of somebody else, but like she'll still giggle with them. And then she'll snap the TV off at, um, oh my God, her with the burned face and like make her cry and went away. Elizabeth and, like, Moss, yeah. Yeah, and, but she'll have a giggle. Like it's like, it's like you can tell that she's a sociopath. She's a sociopath, but also Angelina Jolie did the work, right? Because when, you, oh, yeah. cause when you're writing a like I'm, when you're writing scripts, you always have to ask, how does your character feel towards every other character? That's what you got to do when you do a character sheet of just like... Can like, I interrupt you? So yeah. whenever she actually... I was watching her inside the actor's studio and she actually said that she had read the book years and years before. Oh, cool. And then when she went back to the book, when she got offered the part, when she looked in the book, she had underlined all of Lisa's like yeah. scenes. And she was like, oh my God. Wow. So it's like she had a very yeah yeah she, good you can tell she was really into it and she definitely had an understanding of how she feels between every other character and it made it that yeah. much more believable even when she notices Winona Ryder for the second time after you know first when she first meets Winona it's such a blow up introduction to a character she's like who the fuck is this like get out of you know you you're replacing my old friend in this yeah, room I agree and I was like what that's an entrance yeah right? and then the next time she sees her she's like fooling around and joking with the other girls. But even as she walks away, the girl who laughs at everything, she like takes her hand and just lightly plays with her fingers as she walks towards Winona Ryder. Like what yeah. friends do, little weird quirky things you do with your friends that are just yeah. personal. And like that made me feel very believable as like she just was the most believable character in the, out of all those little quirky characters in, the, in that place. No, I do agree with you. I feel like she had um, a very intense presence without her. Um, the movie, like you're saying, is very one dimensional. And... Um, 
so one thing that I thought was kind of interesting was that Courtney Love actually auditioned to play her, which is funny because you're like, you don't need to audition. We've you, seen, seen you. you. <laughs> like, yeah, you yeah, don't yeah, need yeah. to audition. Yeah. Uh, but I think that um, this is Angelina Jolie's best performance in her career. I love Changeling, but this, for me, this is Angelina Jolie. I used to be obsessed with her. I even loved Tomb Raider, even though they're awful. They're I fun. love I think that movie. Just, I, listen, I love a good, just dumb, fun movie. And those like, Absolutely. are absolute pure popcorn fun. Like, I love a good dumb popcorn movie like i i i agree no i agree and she okay so for this particular movie um angelina jolie actually avoided winona ryder during the movie and the filming um because she didn't want any sort of human interaction with winona ryder because she felt like she wouldn't be able to play a sociopath toward her effectively so she like essentially was like um like uh, what's the word like shunning her or just kind of like uh, like brushing her off uh but this performance is like haunting and it's like intense and like i don't think anybody could have done that as good as she it, did it. she she performs with her eyes very well in a sense that when she stares down someone like excuse me um she'll stare down someone and you'll hear the inflection in her voice that changes of how she feels about them where the story's going and what she's saying and the context but her eyes will just like completely be gunned down like just going right through them and like that was like what was so haunting about it. Like, I agree. When she takes the chair and flips it around, and she does like the teacher sit. Yeah. She's just like kind of interviewing Winona Ryder. I remember yep. being like, "Oh man, she's." Or she does that thing with her tongue with the yeah. pills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm All like, those yeah. weird things. Like, she just, like, but they felt real. Like it wasn't like she was like. It's like uh, you know, like I know it's a weird comparison, but like when you see like people who play like the Joker or these weird characters that are famously weird and crazy characters, people yeah. do their little twist and like you got Jared Leto being like. Like anybody who has like anybody who has to play a crazy quirky character and does these yeah. little mannerisms. Like yeah. sometimes they focus so much on these mannerisms, not focus on being a believable person. Agreed. And Angelina Jolie plays like a crazy person uh, in a mental ward, but like I believed everything in her performance more than, than anybody else. Than anybody else. Like she was perfect. She was so great in it. Okay, yeah. I think the time has arrived for us yeah. to reveal who we think should have won the Oscar. Okay, should I go first? You will go first. I can't wait. Oh my god. Okay, so. I think the Oscar should have gone to... Chloe Sevignon. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Why? I just felt like... like Sevigny, she, by Sevigny. the way. Sevigny. Damn it. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Damn it. I knew when I get on this You're podcast... You're like <laughs> Yeah, like I knew when I go on a podcast, I have to know a bunch of names of actors and comedians. Anybody. I know, it's, it's I'm complicated. I'm so fucked. I know, um, I know. But she... I would argue, like, because it was such an intense story and, and with everything going on, like, in that movie, she just had that nuanced character that made me feel so invested in this relationship between the two. Like, she was the relationship for me than, than yeah and like and like dealing with the i saw more range in her character than i mm. felt like in anybody else's okay um not to say that none of these performances weren't oh sure uh, every single performance every one of these women are incredible actors and like and they're even uh, cameron diaz even, 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 and who should have been nominated oh, yeah fuck, cameron, cameron diaz should have been fucking nominated, she been nominated. Anyway, <laughs> yeah well, i'll tell you who it shouldn't have gone to yeah <laughs> <laughs> i got that one in the bag no problem uh but chloe i feel like that performance had the most range like i saw her meet someone new and i saw that Mm -hmm. little moment where like you know you fall in love with someone like that little moment where you're like i like them like i felt like i saw that it was a nice moment it was a nice moment that moment i felt that moment i felt the worry when she was worried about him i felt the you know the conflict and confusion when she goes to the prison you're in a women prison i felt it real when she goes and meets them in there and the, and she she gets the guys to be distracted like go for a drink like she knows they're coming to kill him and like and like just the absolute devastation of like when she uh, he gets shot and she just fucking collapses. Like I just felt like I went more on a journey and roller coaster with her performance than any other one here. Where okay. I felt like I felt like there was like two or three strong types of moments with each other character, um, but with Chloe in Boys Don't Cry, I just was like so invested in this love story and and just so defeated and destroyed. Um, when she sees this murder of the one she loves and he reads that letter and like I don't know to me that was the one I was like I, I was like fuck like it was just really really good I love that yeah. that was a really that okay great thank you yeah. um, okay well I'm gonna go ahead and say who I think should have won yeah so I think that the Oscar should have gone to Chloe 
Angelina Jolie, and I'm so sorry, Tony Collette, because I really <laughs> wanted to give it to Tony Collette. Because, I, that was my backup too. It was gonna be uh, Tony Collette. I just I, the fact that Tony Collette doesn't have an Oscar makes me really upset. She should have got it for Hereditary. I know. Oh my god. I know. And it's oh just god. like I want her. I really want to say Tony Collette, but it's just that Angelina Jolie. It's like I have seen her in this movie a thousand times. It never gets old for me. It is a haunting performance. She has this intense presence, and without her, there is no movie. No. And nobody could have done justice to Lisa the way that she did her justice. And it was just such a real, raw, literally crazy performance mm -hmm. that I feel is even better than the Joker in the sense where the Joker is just fucking crazy. Mm -hmm. But at least with her, it's like there's so many different levels to mm -hmm. it. And you can see her vulnerability. You can see that she does have feelings, but you have to understand it through a lens of a person that is mentally ill. But again, this is all fake. She's acting, mm. you know? And I think that that is so hard to do. And I just, I apologize, Tony Collette. I know you're listening. I just <laughs> really want you to have your Oscar. And I wanted to give it to you, but I got to give it to Angelina Jolie and her brother. I will also apologize to every actress whose name I got wrong. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and I'll leave it at that. But yeah, I, 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 that's where I would stand. I say Chloe, and I agree with you. Angelina Jolie, though, is like, like she deserved to win. Yeah, she deserved to win. But if I, if it was just one judge and it was me, I, I had to say Chloe, man. That was just like fair. Oof, like she was just really good in it. Okay, well, that concludes another episode of Best Actress. Just to let you guys know, we have new episodes out every two weeks. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much for being a guest. Thanks for having me. Do you so have anything fun. that you would like to plug? Oh, you can, uh, at the Ryan Dillon, T-H-E-R-Y-A-N-D-I-L-L-O-N. Uh, that's my Twitter, um, Instagram, everything. Uh, my album, Violently Nice, you can hear it on Just for Laughs Canada, or you can buy it on iTunes. Um, and that's it, yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much for being a guest, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, bud. Bye. Bye. <laughs>